Hi. Hey, hello there. How's it going? It's your completely innocent storyteller, Will, here, who has never done anything wrong a day in his life. Why would I introduce an episode like that, you may be asking yourself. And to that I would reply, don't worry about it. Just enjoy today's episode. Let's get all the boring stuff out of the way right up front so you don't have to wait any longer. We are still raising money for the First Nations Development Institute. We are still recording this show live every other Sunday on twitch.tv slash live from the apocalypse at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but we are in the middle of an interlude story. We're using the Fist System by Claymore RPGs, and we're playing a group of burned super spies who are terrifying and horrible, each and every one of them. Other than that, I think really the only other thing I have to announce is that Danny's dad's does seem to be leading the polls in what fans of the podcast will be called, so if you don't like that, maybe let us know sooner rather than later. And what else can I really say about this episode other than, without a doubt, the episode that you're about to hear is the one that we have all been most excited for you to get your hands on since we started making this podcast. It is truly something that we are all immensely proud of. Anyway, that's probably enough teasing, right? So without further ado, here's Academy H, Cause and Effect, Part 7. You walk into the party, and we're going to cut away to a very different part of the city. We're going to cut away to a part of the city that has clearly, in essence, been demolished at one point and is slowly being rebuilt, or maybe was being rebuilt. Efforts seem to have somewhat stalled out. But you would recognize this as what is commonly come to be known as the Quarter. And you would know that this is the part of the city that was demolished, essentially, in Generation H's final showdown with the being known as Apollo, the most powerful being on Earth. The ensuing conflict, even though they were eventually victorious, fully destroyed part of the city, basically leveled it to the ground. And so there are like lots of abandoned husks of buildings here, a few that have started to be reconstructed, but again, things have sort of stalled out. It has generally kind of become a section of the city that nobody seems to care about. Kind of abandoned, essentially. And as a result, it kind of tends to attract people who are looking to disappear. And amidst the quarter, Bethel, you find yourself standing in front of a decaying building with a similarly decrepit sign that vaguely reads Weston Labs. <sighs> All right. Gonna see about getting in. Looking for any windows that I can kind of make my way through. It looks like it's easier than she thought it would be. She's like, huh. I was gonna say, getting in does not appear to be a problem by any means. There is barely any glass in the windows. That door, if you can call it a door, is hanging on by like a single hinge, fully swung open. All right. Does it look like there's any 
kind of like newer like attempts at security that these two could have tried to put in. Why don't you assess the situation? Sure. Roll it superior. That's a, usually a zero. It's going to be a negative two because I'm still guilty. Because I need emotional <laughs> help. Uh, I rolled a nine, but it's only going to be a six. No, seven. You can ask a question and you can take plus one to the answer. I think what I'm going to do is what here is in the greatest danger. That's what I think I'm going to go with. The outer shell of the building does not appear to have any updates or changes made to it at all. Not since it was essentially destroyed. However, if you take a bit of a closer look as you were casing it, I think um, I think you can maybe get a glimpse through a basement window. You can kind of see that it's tinted and there are bars over it, but you can see a few faint lights inside that are blinking. Okay. I think I want to come in closer to there, but so that I can see what what it is that's blinking and if it's something that I need to avoid before I enter. I'm going to say that because the window has been tinted to be dark, you can't actually make out what is on the other side of it while the window still stands. Uh, you can just sort of see that there are some lights inside of it that are blinking. Ben, I think what she'll do is she'll try to just... She'll use that as kind of like possibly both her way in and to see what it is she's going to try to like open up a hole in the glass but not break it just have it kind of like start to like thin and stretch so it gets thicker around the edges and it as it thins out it opens a hole kind of like it's soft and viscousy and pushes um i'm gonna say that you're unleashing your powers which means rolling with freak oh you mean the thing i just shifted my label down on (laughs) I do mean that thing. I was wondering if you'd be able to switch your mask label with it, but that's only Monday, and you can only yeah. substitute that with Monday. So I got a five and a three, so five, eight. So seven, again. Okay. Um, seven is success, so you can do it. But that being said, I do have to ask you a question as a follow-up. Do you want to mark a condition, or do you want me to tell you how it's unstable or temporary? Tell me how it's unstable or temporary. I can I cannot take more conditions, my guy. Okay. Well, you better start opening up to some people then, getting some comfort and support so that you can uh, get rid of them. But uh, otherwise, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, all right. It is unstable or temporary because as you reach out with your powers to try to perform this very delicate operation, we've kind of established previously that... Uh, the delicate manipulation part of this is not necessarily Lyra's strong suit, and that most of what you've practiced is like throwing glass at people, stuff like that. So as you try to very carefully create an opening in the glass window enough for you to see through, you end up shattering it entirely. You don't quite account for it enough in its solid state. When you try to shift some of the mass outwards, it really doesn't have anywhere to go. 
And so instead, it just shatters completely with a loud noise. And beyond in the room, which is dark, it suddenly becomes a lot less dark as a red blinking light fills it up. No noise or anything like no kind of like alarm, just light? It's not making a noise. It's just a red, sort of a pulsing, rhythmic red light. All right. I'm gonna, I guess, climb up there. Okay. It's it's a basement window, so it's kind of like set at ground level. So I think you were kind of crouched in front of it. And now that red light is kind of spilling out onto the street a little bit. But you don't really see anybody around, to be honest, that would really pay any attention to this. So you kind of slip through the opening and into the room. You could try to recreate the window if you want to maybe block out some of the light. But that's up to you. No, I don't think... For right now, no, because I still need to get out. And if I need to be able to get out, I'd rather have that window open. Depending on how things go, I might replace it before I leave. (laughs) You move into the room, and taking a look around, now that you can get a better look at it, now that there's some light here, you can see that it is full of equipment. But a lot of the equipment looks like it was maybe state-of-the-art, like, ten years ago. It's old. A lot of it is sort of, like, fallen apart. Some of it even looks a little bit broken. There are a few things that are still clearly functioning. One of them is a computer that is sitting on the desk, and another is a whiteboard that has some writing on it. In the light, you can see that the whiteboard has a collection of names written on it. Okay, I think what Lyra's going to do is she's going to get her phone out and she's going to open up her camera, set it to record, and I think she's going to say, Hey, Magil? Yes, Magil. Um, please set up so that this recording is going to send to Victory if anything goes wrong. I will. Okay. And she kind of does like a one quick sweep of the room. Like I'll go back over it in detail, but because I don't, I don't know if this alarm is a silent alarm or what the fuck ever I'm doing just like one quick sweep. And then I'm going to go get a recording of the names and then do a careful sweep of the room. Do I recognize any of these names? You would, you would recognize Martin's name, depending on what Kaz told you. You would maybe recognize the name Mike Breckenridge. Yeah, Kaz would have passed that along. I mean, you would note that one of the names written there is also Powers University. Yeah. So she's like, okay, so this is probably his grand list of targets. Is it how big is the list? Is it like the whole whiteboard? Is it like just like five or six names? It's relatively small. I'll say it's I'll say it's like five names, and one of them is Powers University. So there are like two names on it that you don't recognize. I'll make note of that to investigate later. And then I will start looking at some of the equipment a little bit more closely and seeing if any of it looks like they might have tried to use recently. Like any, if anything looks like it's been like turned on recently before I go and look at that computer. Yeah, there is a scanner of some kind. That you can see probably had a plastic covering 
over it at one point. You can see the plastic covering is kind of just discarded on the ground. And the scanner itself, the lens of the scanner itself has been pointed at like a, a blank wall, essentially. Does that computer look like it could be hooked up to the scanner? If I go over to the computer. It does. It does sort of look oh, like Oh, okay. Yeah. If I try to mess with that, can, it, can I try to find the scanning program to see what the most recent scans are? I suspect maybe they were scanning themselves, but I'd like to see. Sure, you can. Yeah. The computer's not been locked or anything, and it doesn't look like it has any sort of security installed on it, or at least not any that has been engaged before they left, uh, presumably. But I think you can see that what is currently open on here is the software that is used in conjunction with the scanner. But it looks like the scanner actually records what it scans. Probably for review later, but you can tell that it, while it is scanning things, it's actually creating a, a file that can be looked at later. And there's really only there's one there's one on the device that you can see okay i will open the file still still recording and as you open the file you can see the wall that the scanner is pointed towards uh which is blank and then you can see someone step into frame you would recognize trasher he sort of stands against the wall looking straight at the scanner and you can sort of see, as he does so, that there's this this sort of aura of reddish energy sort of radiating off of him. And you can see that it's also coming off of him almost like a tether that extends towards the scanner itself, which you understand when he says, okay, is it on? And you hear Trashly answer from behind the scanner, clearly. Not in frame. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 working. And as the scanner focuses in on him, you can see the reddish energy that is coming off of him is kind of increasing. Getting brighter and brighter and brighter until it's basically drowning out the sensor itself. Until it is a completely red-washed frame. He says, So is it safe? Is it normalized? You hear her answer, yeah, looks stable to me. And that's where it cuts off. Well, I doubt that. Increasingly. I will close it down, look to see if there are any other kind of like files that could be reminiscent of his actual research itself. Whatever his actual like work was and if I find anything I don't think I'll take the time to read it now I would just forward it to myself honestly if he has that documented it's not on this machine okay I think at that then I will stop the recording send it to Alex for now and then start to look through the rest of the the rest of the building you start moving through the rest of the building that red light still sort of pulsing as you step out, you can tell that it's not just that one room, it's the entire basement. Um, although it doesn't seem to extend up the stairs and into the rest of what remains of the building. But yeah, you start looking around and opening doors. We'll cut back to the frat house, the tri-pie house. As you walk 
through the door, you've you've now, I think, gathered in the area adjacent to the kitchen. The house is packed. There are maybe, you know, 200 people here, all of them dancing, getting drunk, celebrating their youth and uh, being wildly irresponsible. And uh, yeah, you would notice Ashley and Asher kind of looking around and scanning the room. Ashley says, "Okay, so where is he?" Asher says, "I don't know. I don't. I don't see him." Ashley says, "Well, I mean, he's he's got to be here somewhere. I mean, you said he's the president of the fraternity, right?" I guess. Look, uh, maybe this isn't the best idea. Maybe we should just, you know, sort of circle back to this some other time. Maybe, maybe this isn't, um, kind of looks nervously at you, Spectral. Maybe he's not here. And I think Kaz takes all of that in and, of course, in keeping up with the charade, says, Trasher, you're going to let this go that easily? thought we were here for a reason. I mean, we should at least cause some minor property destruction if we're going to have taken the effort to come here at all. Trashley nods. I like the way he thinks, I'm going to be honest. I mean, it'd be a shame to come all this way and not at least, you know, scare some people, right? Trasher looks like he's about to open his mouth to say something when... A voice from across the room calls out and says, No way. Worsted? And Asher, like, freezes and, like, looks across the room where the crowd sort of parts as these loud words are exchanged. And you see a tall man with dark hair, a little bit of, like, five o'clock shadow going. It's probably early 20s, maybe 20, maybe 21, hard to say, wearing, you know, a rugby shirt that has the pie 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 in like a triangle over one breast, jeans, Sperry's, like yachting shoes probably. Very tall, appears to be in very good shape. He looks very gleeful at seeing Asher standing there. And he starts moving towards you, all of you, all three of you. He doesn't seem to have, like, noticed you yet, Kaz. You're not sure exactly how drunk he is, but probably more than a little. And he says, I mean, I heard you got kicked out of school, but didn't think you'd end up here. Asher kind of uh, squares up and his fists clench at his sides. Doesn't say anything, but he kind of, like stare straight ahead almost through presumably Mike Breckenridge as he walks up to him Mike gets very close to him and kind of like leans down a little bit to look him in the eyes and says so what are you doing at my party nerd and Ashley from the side is gonna say Ashley are you gonna let him just talk to you like that and Kaz is going to say You took the words right out of my mouth. Mike is going to smirk at Asher, not breaking eye contact, and I'm going to say, Yeah, Asher, 
are you going to let me talk to you like that? And as if breaking the spell, Asher is going to haul back one fist very suddenly and swing it at Mike Breckenridge. It is a clean hit, or at least it looks like it should be a clean hit. Except suddenly there's like a blur of motion and Mike Breckenridge is back across the room, across the crowd that has parted. He looks a little surprised. He says, God, I can't believe you actually swung at me. I mean, you weren't, you weren't even close to hitting me, but like, damn, I'm a little impressed. Kaz, what are you doing? I think Kaz is kind of like running through multiple options and scenarios in his head, but I think the first thing he's going to do is lean into Asher and say, you did not give me any indication that this is what we would be walking into. Yeah, well, I mean, he didn't used to have super speed. Well, now that he does, what's the new plan? I told you I'd follow your lead. Trashly is going to pop in at this point and she's going to say, I don't see how it changes anything. She's going to reach over to her right where there's a keg, a full keg sitting in a bucket of ice. And very casually, she is going to, with one hand, sort of lift the keg by the handle and just spin in place and fling it across the room at Mike. And at that moment, people are going to scream and start to, like, move out of the way, start to try to clear a room for this apparently super-powered fight that is going down in the middle of the uh, Tri-Pie house. (laughs) Some people are leaving, but even more people are gawking and standing by, ready to watch a bunch of people with powers duke it out. Mike, however, is going to move to the side and let the keg hit the floorboards of the house, which are going to buckle under the weight and the force that the keg was thrown. The keg is going to plummet into the basement of the house with a resounding crash. I think what Kaz is first going to focus on is in that initial burst of chaos, I think he wants to add to it. So I think... He's going to start knocking things over, throwing bottles, not throwing them at anyone. Like he is trying to be cautious in that. But I think he's trying to create enough of a disturbance that more people are going to want to leave this area rather than stay because it's clearly getting to a place where it could be unsafe for them. Okay. You are entering a fight, a dangerous fight, maybe. However, unfortunately, You are not doing it as a team. As all sessions, we put one team into the pool at the beginning of the session, but unfortunately, that's what you got to work with. So, I think you are defending someone. I think you are defending some people. So I want you to roll with Savior. That is going to be a 10. You get to choose one. You can actually add a team to the pool, take influence over someone you protect, or clear conditions. I think I'm going to clear a condition because I think in going into this, and especially as he started throwing things, has kind of realized that 
he needs to let go of that anger he's been holding on to for quite some time now, or he could do something destructive that he's not intending to do. So I think it would make sense that I finally am able to clear angry, at least for this moment. You know what? That's fair. And I think as you do that, as you start trying to get people to leave and are trying to protect them from some of the chaos that is unfolding, Mike is going to clock Trasher fully across the face, kind of send him sprawling out on the ground. And then he is going to continue that sort of blurred motion. But every time he crosses Trasher's path, he hits him again. So Trasher is just kind of like he gets knocked down and then he gets knocked back up by another hit and then down. And then he's just kind of getting hit over and over and over again. And then seeing that and intervening, Trashley is going to say, that's enough. And she's going to time it to the point where as Mike blurs in with super speed to hit Asher the next time, instead, he's going to run right into Trashley's strategically placed fist and is going to go flying across the room and hit the wall, slide down, not fully unconscious, but definitely dazed. And at that moment, someone is going to yell from the staircase, hold on, Mike. And another guy appears. This guy is even bigger. Uh, His head is shaved. He's wearing a letterman's jacket. Clearly has the build of a football player. And as he hits the bottom of the stairs and takes in the situation, his face grows dark. His expression grows dark with anger. And he's going to say, what did you do to you, Kaz? Okay. Um, You know, this is the game for making the worst possible decisions. And so I think, uh, I think Kaz is going to say, oh, I can't take credit for that. That's all her and gesture towards Trashley, but then add, but that's the least of what we came here to do. He looks back and forth between you and Trashley and says, you know what? You can all burn. And he looks angry enough that for a second, it looks like there are uh, lines of heat coming off of his head. And then you realize that there are as fire ignites itself across his arms and his shoulders. Not quite touching the letterman's jacket. And then across his head as well, kind of giving him this like matchstick look of like fire burning off of the top of his head entirely. And he's going to shove his hands forward at one at you and one at Trashley. And flame is going to shoot out of both of them. What are you doing? I think if it is possible, Kaz is going to try to dodge out of the way uh, using some of the skills that Bethel just very kindly introduced the squad to uh, last time. Um, So I think that is his idea is just to like, if he can see that the fire is on the trajectory towards him, what can I do to get out of this trajectory? Are you, you're planning to, I assume, eventually strike back? Potentially. Or are you not getting involved at all? Kaz is trying to not get involved because he did go into this saying he would not use his abilities. So he is trying to stick to that. But obviously, if uh, things escalate to a point, he's not going to have a choice. But as long as he still thinks he has a choice, he's uh, he's trying not to activate his powers. 
And I think in this case, you are you are using your powers, but in this case, you are very specifically using your acrobatics and agility uh, that you've learned from your friend Bethel to try to get out of the way, which means you're going to roll with Freak. Because that's not a normal thing people do. Yeah, and I'm not going to succeed because uh, that is going to be a six. Hey, all right, cool. Well, you're going to get a potential, so that's exciting. That's good. And you're going to take a powerful blow. So I need you to roll plus conditions marked, which for you now is nothing. It's nothing. All right. And that is unfortunately going to be a seven. <laughs> okay. Could be worse. Could be worse. With a seven, you can pick one. You lash out verbally, which provokes a teammate. Um, in this case, that would probably have to be victory. You give ground and your opposition gains an opportunity. Or you struggle past the pain by marking two conditions. I think in this case, Kaz is going to give ground. Yeah, that's my thought. Because he isn't, he is not wanting to push himself, you know, through the pain for these two. Um, he's willing to keep up the charade as much as is possible. But I think, yeah, he'll give ground. Cool. So in this particular circumstance, giving ground means you throw yourself backwards. The flame gout that was going to hit you crashes through the window you were standing in front of and just sort of gouts out the side like a flamethrower. Victory. You see that happen. <laughs> also, Kaz, the house is on fire. <laughs> there is fire spreading across the floorboards. There were curtains around the window that have now shattered. And Ashley is going to, unfortunately, be caught in the full force of that gout of flame. In a last-ditch effort, Asher is going to lunge forward. He's going to yell, Ashley. And he's going to lunge forward. And he's going to grab her. And the fire is going to sort of pass over both of them. You can see there are like vague shapes inside of it. When the fire stops, they have this sort of red corona around them, like, uh, like when a spaceship enters orbit. But they appear fairly untouched. Ashley's hair is maybe kind of singed in a few places. And the uh, fiery guy in the Letterman jacket looks sort of disbelievingly at them. So, um, Alice was going to try and hang back a ways. Was not expecting the house to burst into flame. Uh, also, unfortunately, while he would love to immediately back up Kaz. As the kids say, the roof is on fire, the roof is on fire. So I think what he's actually going to do first is try to leap up to the second floor to get in through a window and to, to try and find and start getting people out of the top floor, since this fire is one that is seeming to go from the bottom up. Awesome. Uh, you also roll with Savior. You know, that started out as one of my good stats, and now it's not anymore. You know, if only Danny was here, he's so good at getting people out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. All right. Well, good news and bad news. Uh, the good news is I advance. The bad news <laughs> is I rolled a three. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> What's going to happen is, Victory, you take a few running steps towards the house. And you sort of, you know, set yourself in a stance and you 
throw yourself at the side of the building, the side of the frat house. Mm-hmm. You crash through one of the walls, leaving a victory-shaped hole mm-hmm. behind you like a cartoon character. <laughs> and you find yourself careening directly towards a bed, someone's bed, that is currently occupied mm-hmm. by two people. Mm-hmm. Who both mm-hmm. scream, they kind of roll to either side to get out of the bed. You hit the mattress, and the bed and the mattress and you crash through the floorboards underneath oh no. Oh no. with the force and land directly in the middle of the conflict happening below between the man who is on fire Mike Breckenridge with super speed Trashly Trasher and a masked Kaz <laughs> Benny Hill music starts playing immediately this is what mask is all about baby yep alright uh <laughs> I'm just so Alex just lands in the middle of this chaos and is just going to shout, There's a fire! <laughs> I think that is gonna earn that is gonna earn a sharp I know from the football player who is currently on fire. <laughs> Fuck. Mike Breckenridge, who has been collapsed against the wall where he was thrown after he was hit, now seemed to have gathered his wits. He is going to start running in circles, super speed circles, around Trasher and Trashly. And as he does so, he's going to say loudly enough to be heard over the noises that the slipstream of his super speed is creating. All right, I get it. I can't touch you but I can take away your air. So he's running in circles and seems to be creating a vacuum around the two of them. Seems to be sucking out all the oxygen. What do you do? So just out of curiosity, since the building is now on fire, how many people are in this room? Probably no one, but you can see people in like the dining room and the kitchen who are still sort of watching Slackjawed. I think as much as Kaz doesn't want to, I think he is going to use his powers. I think he's going to try to use it in as subtle a way as is possible, which isn't really in line with most of his magic, but I think he's going to aim to basically send some bone shards across the floor, like keeping them low, growing as they enter the space that Mike is running in with the goal of tripping him. And as you do that, I need you to roll. I think you're directly engaging a three, at least it sounds like. So you're going to roll with danger. Yeah. So do we want the good news or the bad news? The good news. Do you also advance? I do also advance. Hey. Oh boy. Because <laughs> I rolled a six. <laughs> Perfect. All right, great. So you're going to have to take a powerful blow again because you failed that roll and you're trading blows. However, what happens is you send these bone shards, you, you use your powers and you send these bone shards across the floor. And as you do that, they kind of turn away at the last second and suddenly come flying back at you. So, roll 2d6. 
Am I adding anything to that? Actually, it doesn't matter if I'm adding anything to that, because that is a seven. That's a seven? Yeah, that's a seven. You got the same choice then. Lash out verbally and provoke a teammate to foolhardy action. You can mark two conditions, or you can give ground and give your opponents an opportunity. I think in this case, I'm going to take the two conditions. What are we going with? Definitely angry. I think also a bit afraid, because Kaz is basically like, I'm fighting with one hand behind my back. And I either have the choice of blatantly using my powers and like exposing myself and everything that would entail. Or I, you know, have to continue not being able to really defend myself. So I think angry and afraid. So what you see as you look up this uh, blast of bone shards that you tried to send out is kind of come careening back towards you. Maybe some of them have hit you even. And that's one of the reasons why you're so angry and afraid because this hasn't happened before. But another frat bro steps out of the kitchen. As this is happening, you look up and you see him standing there and he's wearing a tank top and board shorts that are still dripping wet like he was just in a pool or a hot tub or something. You're not sure. His hair's kind of pulled up into a man bun and he has his hands stretched out at you and his arms from the shoulder down are glowing with a very familiar looking sort of purplish aura. And he kind of looks down at them and looks at you and like the bone shards, some of which have like hit you and some of which have like stuck in the wall around you. And it's just like, Whoa, that's cool. Mike is still continuing to literally run circles around Trasher and Trashley. At this point, Victory is going to, as much as he would love to, to save the Trash Twins, there is a man who is causing a fire. And well, first thing he's doing is he's going to, to kip up to his feet, is pointing at, at uh, Burning Man and just first ask, can you put this out? He actually looks around kind of like noticing the fire for the first time. You get the impression he may have some anger issues that are clouding his judgment. But he looks around for the first time and he kind of looks a little bit panicked and, and says I, I, I don't know. Try. He kind of like points his arms out at the fire and like grits his teeth and is like focusing really hard and his arms start to shake and he stops after a second is like, it doesn't really work like that. It just happens when I get mad. Then we're taking you outside and I am going to grip him by the Letterman jacket and am going to just super jump backwards out of the hole that he made with his fire burst to take him out of the house made of wood and onto the street made of asphalt. He doesn't necessarily want to do that. So you are going to be directly engaging a threat. Roll with danger. Okay. With danger. I am not a danger boy. Uh, to get a 10, though. Hell yeah. So you get to pick two. You can resist or avoid his blows, take something from him, create an opportunity for your allies, or impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. Uh, I'm going to, to resist or avoid their blows, trying to not get burned myself in the process, and going to try. I'm going to say, uh, I can pick two. Yeah, so I'm going to impress, surprise, or frighten them. Maybe trying to, like, impress upon him that he has just, he's just stepped into a bigger game than maybe he was ready to. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And so you grab him and he says, hey, 
and as the fire starts to sort of like build on his shoulders and on his head, it starts to flare up a little bit, uh, but you've grabbed him. You can kind of feel the heat washing over you, but it doesn't seem to touch you in a way that hurts you. Um, it's just a little bit warm and a little bit uncomfortable. You jump through the side of the wall. I think the first thing you see as you do so is one of those above ground pools that has been set up in the yard. Do with that what you will. Yep, yeah, no, that's where I'm landing. Uh, okay, well, you know, I was about to ask if there's anybody in it, but you know what? I already said what I was doing, so. That's fair, that's fair. I think there are a few people still sort of lingering in there looking very confused. You crash into the pool, dragging this man who's on fire with you, and it creates a giant cannonball. It actually washes, I think, the people who were hanging on the sides out of the pool entirely, and they kind of go spilling over and onto the grass and the water immediately starts to like steam and sort of boil where this guy hits the water but the fire that is covering him does sort of seem to go out and he stands there for a second completely drenched without the fire on him and looks back at the house looks at you looks kind of sheepish and says uh sorry about the fire yeah stay here and uh, Alex is going to start heading back towards the house. But in the meantime, I imagine other things are going to happen. Probably. So, yeah, there's the person with the purplish glow around uh, his arms. There is Mike, who is still sort of taking the oxygen away from the trash twins. And Kaz, another thing you start to notice as you look is the longer they are like pressed together, holding each other, the more there is this like subtle glow, that sort of corona of heat that was on them after they managed to avoid the fire blast is starting to glow more red in intensity. It's starting to glow brighter. And if Mike has noticed this, he gives no indication. Okay. Um, I had a few thoughts of what I could do, but I think what Kaz would like to do. I think Kaz is going to direct his magic at Mike, but he's not going to be sending over any bone shards. I think Kaz is trying to catch Mike's own bones (laughs) to get control of him and remove him from what he is doing. Are you bone bending him? (laughs) Please never say those words again. Yes, I am bone bending him. All right. Again, he doesn't necessarily want you to do that. It's a roll of danger. That's, That's fair. And that is going to be a 12. Hell yeah. Perfect. Pick two. Let me remind myself what my options are. One of them is take something from them. You could take his bones. (laughs) Hmm, That's a nice set of tibias you got there. It'd be a shame (laughs) if something happened to them. It would be a shame if somebody bent to them. (laughs) I mean, you know, at this point, yeah, you know what? It would be a shame if something were to happen to his legs. I would like to take his legs from him. Definitely. And I think I would like to frighten the opposition. Okay, cool. So are you breaking his bones? Is that the move here? I think so. That was that was not what I was initially thinking, but given the circumstances, I think it makes sense. Does make sense. Alright. You direct your magic that purplish aura glowing towards Mike. This is just this big blur that is running circles around the trash twins, and you hear two audible snaps 
followed by a scream, and Mike's unarrestable momentum sends him careening once again into a wall. He crashes straight through. Not a great day for the tripie house. And he kind of skids to a stop face first in the grass next to the pool as you are trying to lead back into the house. Victory. You see him. Kind of digs up a big trail of dirt as he goes. And at that same moment from the doorway, the guy in the tank top and the board shorts who appeared to be doing the exact same magic you did looks at you, looks down at his hands, looks up at you again and says, dude, are you bone magic? <laughs> Bro, I, I love you. And no, I'm, I'm not going to do this. And like the, like the aura fades from his arms. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to take your, your bone magic, bone magic. Duh, <laughs> my bad man my bad and as much as kaz wants to say something i think he just stares him down and just kind of like gestures threateningly with some shards of bone in his hands but doesn't otherwise confirm or deny what the man is saying yeah bro yeah bro no bro you you're good bro i'm gonna check on my bros and he just like steps back through the kitchen out of your sight. Ashley and Asher are standing there still sort of locked in this embrace with each other. And you can see that they're struggling to catch their breath. But as you see them do that, as you see them sort of like struggling to catch their breath, you you kind of realize that it maybe it has less to do with them having the oxygen pulled away from them and more to do with whatever's happening now that they are locked together because they're kind of gripping each other hard and that corona has started to grow in intensity and you can actually see now that that sort of distortion of the air has been dissipated their eyes are both glowing with that same color what would you like to do i'm 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 debating a few options um i think has is going to ask kind of yell across the room at them what is happening with the two of you and see if there's a response. They're going to answer in unison, which is kind of creepy. And so with their voices overlapped with each other, you hear them yell back to you. We can't control it. The power, power, it's, it's too, too much. much. I think Cass is going to say, I didn't sign up for any of this. I'm out. And I think Kaz is going to run. I don't know if this counts as clearing afraid by running, but uh, I think that's what he's going to do. It will count as clearing afraid, but in order for it to count as that, we have to be clear about what's at stake. And you can see that this energy that is growing around the two of them is building. And you don't know exactly what's happening, but... Based on what Martin told you and based on what you're seeing here and the sort of presence of the energy that's building between them, you don't know how big this explosion is going to be when it goes off. It could take out the entire campus. It might even take out the entire city. And I think in that case, Kaz will not run. Um, I think he maybe starts to. Like, I think he does still say, you know, I'm out and like gets to the door and then realizes he can't do this. He can't just let this happen. 
it's all kind of happening in real time, but Victory, I'd say you can definitely be inside at this point if you want to. Well, I think, yeah, I think Victory was going to run, check, make sure that Mike was alive, doesn't seem to be going anywhere, sees what's going on, and recognizing that this is potentially blowing the cover a little bit, will just look over at Kaz and looking at them and, and will say to Kaz, get everyone out if you can. I'll try to separate them. And I think in that case, that is what Kaz is going to do. I think he is going to start clearing the house as quickly as is possible and trying to get people out of whatever this radius is, but at least out of the immediate vicinity. Victory in this case, working off the assumption that A, uh, if they do explode, if anybody's going to be standing right next to it, it should probably be him. And since he was able to see something of their connection before using his victory senses, hoping that maybe he can do the same thing to try and see a little bit of how he might be able to, if he can see their connection, maybe he can see a way to, like, diffuse the bomb. Roll to assess the situation. Uh, that's superior? Yes. And Kaz, you are absolutely able to just physically start sort of clearing people out of the house, getting the last vestiges to leave. Are they willing to go just out of curiosity? Oh, 100% at this point, yes. Anyone who is left standing there is like doing so because they're panicked. They're they're frozen with fear. And so even him being in like a black mask and everything would not make them hesitate if he's trying to get them out. Not in this world. You could just be like a low-budget vigilante. That's cool. That works. Uh, I got a 10. Awesome. Yeah, you get a bunch of questions if you want to ask them. Uh, I get I get two. So um, I'm going to ask what here kind of used to blank, uh, blank in this case being separate them, and the next one being uh, how could we best end this quickly? The answer to both is the same. And at this point, your victory site shows you that the connection between them is reaching critical mass. That whatever resonant frequencies have been generating this power that exists between them are now growing out of control. And the only thing you can do to stop them, as far as you can see it, is to physically separate them if you can. The same way that taking two batteries out of a machine will stop it from working. All right. Uh, I guess in that case, feeling this intense magnetic pull between them, going to attempt to physically interpose himself between them and using his super strength to try and force them physically far enough apart to break the connection. I need you to roll with Freak to unleash your powers. Well, you know, uh, fortunately, I am a freaky boy right now. That's lucky. And... Okay, Uh, well, with my plus two, it's a nine. All right, cool. Mark a condition, or you will tell me how it is unstable or temporary. I'm going to do something a little bit different here. Okay, cool. I'm going to say that it is unstable or temporary. You're not going to take a condition. You start pulling them apart. You try to get in between the two of them. You set one hand against Trasher's chest, one hand against Trashley's chest, and you're 
using as much of your victory strength as you can to try to push them away from each other. And at first, you're using the amount of strength that you would normally need to separate two people who are holding on to each other. But it becomes clear to you very quickly that that is not what's happening here anymore, and that whatever forces are bonding them together require a greater degree of strength to separate them. So you start applying more and more strength. You start trying to push them away from each other, and it's like trying to separate the moon from its orbit. You can feel it starting to give, but it's it's fighting you for every inch of distance that you can create between the two of them. And as you do it, there's a moment where you can feel the power growing, and you have this momentary realization that if you don't get out of here right now, this could go off in your face. And if you stick around and keep trying, you can clear your guilty condition. Because as far as you know, you are ready to sacrifice yourself. Okay. I am going to stick around. And so I failed earlier to get enough for uh, an advance. I know uh, I was going to spend that on the sanctuary, but could I instead use it to unlock the remaining powers of my suite? Yes. Okay. If you want to, you absolutely can. That is what I'm going to do. Okay. And Alex is pushing against both of them with all of his might and looks around, like getting a sense of like the fact that this could go off, that he might fail, and also understanding from having seen what this connection is doing, how big this explosion could be. Sort of dips his head and begins concentrating very, very hard and slowly in the midst of the, the, the shaking that is going on from this, this glow emanating from the two of them. All three of them lift into the air and begin lifting into the air rapidly as Alex takes flight taking both of them with him up, up, and away into the sky as far as he can take them to hopefully mitigate the collateral damage of an explosion. The glow is intensifying. The power is growing greater. Alex, you feel yourself lifting off of the ground. Not from their powers, from your own. So you feel this new strength flowing into you. You feel these new sort of paths in your brain and in your body unlock. You fly up through the hole that you created in the ceiling and out through the roof. It's getting more intense. It's reaching critical mass. They're both starting to shake violently. And you are not sure if you are going to make it in time. But in the relative quiet you hear the sound of a gun being fired. The hissing, whizzing noise of a bullet fired from Jake Walter's rifle zip past your ear. Then you feel the heat of something hot and wet against your face as everything goes red around you. 
you'd like to keep up with us and what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at Live from the Apoc, Instagram and TikTok at Live from the Apocalypse, or join our Discord community, which will be linked in the description down below. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to give us a good rating and follow us on your podcatcher of choice. Leave a review if you're so inclined. It really does help us out so much. The donation link to our First Nations Development Institute fundraising campaign can also be found in the description if you'd like to help support Indigenous communities. Join us for the live recording of Academy H every other Sunday, or any of our many other ongoing live-streamed campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash livefromtheapocalypse. For all this information and more, check out livefromtheapocalypse.com. As always, nothing we do would be possible without your support, and we appreciate you so much. Until next time. Academy H is edited by Will Malkus, with music and sound effects from Epidemic Sound. Character art by at Draws on Twitter and Instagram. there's a there's no outtake today i just want to take the opportunity to say i'm not sorry and i will do it again